You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. In Alhamdulillah, in Alhamdulillah, we are not going to be able to do it. We are not going to be able to do it. We are وَأَشْهَدُونَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان استك الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم gave us an analogy, a comparison, a parable. He said the example of good company and bad company is like that of the musk seller and the blacksmith. When you go to the musk seller, you receive some perfume, you buy some, it smells nice. When you go to the blacksmith, it might burn your clothes and it smells bad. And so he lays out this very basic, very easy to understand analogy of good company and bad company. Now, as with many things, the concept can be easy to understand, but they can sometimes be difficult to implement. And so in understanding this idea of good company and bad company, let's understand it at a little bit deeper of a level. First is the analogy. When we, if you go to a store that's selling perfume, you walk in, it smells good, your mood is uplifted by the nice scent. You might get a free sample. You might put some on and now you smell good. You might buy a gift for someone. You might buy some for yourself but you leave a little bit more uplifted than when you came in. Now, the example of bad company, we don't interact a lot with blacksmiths, but imagine going to get your car fixed. You go into the garage, the garage smells. They're working on cars. The mechanic comes up to you, takes your insurance and paperwork, and his hands are oily, and there's grime in the fingernails. You go to the waiting room, it hasn't been cleaned in years, the chairs are dusty, the Cushions are torn, there's stale coffee off on the side, and you're sitting agitated and antsy, waiting to get home just to take a shower and wash the dirt off of you. Right? That's the example of bad company. Now, the challenge of implementing this easy concept is that we live in times that are unprecedented. And so the nature of friendships and the nature of relationships have changed dramatically in such a way that we haven't experienced them before in human history. And so to understand, we have to look at how not only things have changed, but then how we implement this idea amidst all of these changes. See, for the first time in human history, <clears throat> human history we are able to maintain relationships and friendships with hundreds, if not thousands of people. We have an abundance sometimes of relationships with people that we've never met in real life. And so we're living in times where the nature of our interactions has changed dramatically. Now, growing up, 
the way that we made friends was a little bit different. If I wanted to play Mario Kart with Brandon from school, there was a very set process. My parents would say, okay, well, who's Brandon? Do you have a copy of his report card? What kind of grades does he make? How many siblings does he have? What grades are his siblings in? Who are his parents? What do they do for a living? What neighborhood do they live in? We need to meet them. We're going to have a conversation. And now after this whole vetting process, you and Brandon can play Mario Kart for an hour a week. If we wanted to watch a movie together, one of our parents would accompany us to a video store where we would select from the available video cassettes and our parents would read the description on the back, check the movie rating, and then allow us to take that one movie home to then watch and enjoy the movie. We wanted to hang out with friends. We didn't just put on our headsets and play games online. We were often dropped off at the mall where we would have dinner. We might watch a movie. We would walk around and socialize, and then we would go home. And over the course of time, you would come to learn more and more about this person that you befriended. You get to meet their siblings. You learn about the things that they like and dislike. Sometimes you have a fight with your friend. And your parents now intervene, and they teach you these tough lessons. I have to learn to own up to my responsibility for having done something that upset my friend. I have to take ownership of my actions. I have to apologize. I have to learn how to accept the apology from my friend who may have wronged me. And in such a way that friendship sometimes gets strengthened even more than it was before we had that little spat. But we look at how friendships form now. You meet someone at the mushroom, maybe at Juma, I'm Umar, I'm Ahmed, we both, we, we both work at the same company. Let me take your number, you take my number, here's my email address. You go home, now what happens? You haven't yet had a cup of coffee with this person. But you go home and you look them up, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, LinkedIn. Where have they worked, their entire resume, what kind of work they're involved in? What accounts they follow, what kind of articles they share, oh, this person is conservative, they're liberal, they're this type of Muslim, they're that type of Muslim. All the places they've ever vacationed, all the restaurants they eat at, the types of food they order, the desserts that they've eaten. We look their house up on Zillow, see how much it costs, what the bedrooms look like, how many rooms are in their house. All of, we get this download of all of this information in five minutes, and we haven't yet sat down and actually shared a meal. We haven't actually sat down and properly socialized, and yet we download all of this information about a person. And so that nature of friendship changes. The nature of the company that we keep is changing. And so now the company that I keep is not, if you ask me who are my closest friends, and I list off maybe three, four, five people, because how many close friends can a person truly have? Right? But you ask me who are my closest friends, I'll say, oh, this handful of people are my closest friends that I know that I can count on. If you ask me who's the company that I keep, it is those few friends. That's the company that I keep. And they're all good individuals. They're all uplifting. They're good Muslims, etc., etc., etc. But I go home. I take out my phone. Who am I following? I say that these handful of people are my friends. But what about these hundred accounts that I follow? Whose Instagram stories am I consuming? Whose YouTube videos am I watching? Whose tweets am I reading? Whose Facebook page am I following? Who am I exchanging Snapchat messages with? That becomes the company that we keep. And so we now have to be very clear. Well, what 
is the company that I'm actually keeping. I might say I'm following an athlete because, hey, he plays for my favorite sports team. And so I'm interested. I'm a fan. And so I follow that person's page. But what about when that person is not sharing updates about football or basketball? What about when they are starting to share promoted ads in their feed because they're a celebrity endorser? And now there's ads for alcohol companies that they're invested with. There's ads for sports gambling websites that they're affiliated with. And so now, even though, yes, I'm a fan of this player because he's on my favorite team, I am now voluntarily keeping company with such a person who over the course of a month or a year, every day, a few times a week, is giving me this message. Go drink this. Go sign up for this site. Go try to make money here. And I might say, look, brother, I'm a Muslim. That stuff is haram. I'm not going to be involved in it. I'm smart enough to filter that out. But the Prophet also said, he said, if you want to know someone's religion, look at the religion of their closest friend, the person that they spend the most amount of time with. Because when you spend time with someone, there is some alignment of character, of values, of worldview, of ethics, of morality. And so even though I follow someone and I might be misaligned, we might not be congruent on those things, the more that you expose yourself to it, the more that you create in alignment with that company that you keep. And so we have these parasocial relationships where we keep company with someone that doesn't know that we exist. And so maybe I'm a new parent. Maybe I'm active in the tech space and I'm following influencers. And so, yes, I'm picking up tips on how to better raise my toddler and get them to eat vegetables and all of these you know, amazing things. But I'm also glued to this person's social media. And every night, every day, I'm processing their Instagram stories. When they release a new YouTube video every week, I'm watching that video. I'm being privy to personal aspects of their lives. And I'm becoming attacked. This is way beyond fiction or watching a television show that is clearly fiction. These are real people with real lives that we are attaching ourselves to their company in a one-way platform. And so we have to be very careful. Are we keeping company that is good? Or are we keeping company that is misaligned with the type of values that we have? And so, these two hadith about good company and bad company, about the religion of your friend, they teach us a couple of things. They teach us, and I think the most important lesson is that they teach us that our environment affects us much more than we'd like to admit. Our environment affects us much more than we'd like to admit. And so when we think about the traditional ways of hanging out, dropping teenagers off at the mall, and they go and they have dinner and they watch a movie, then you go and pick them up when the mall closes as many of us did when we were kids. It's a lot different when the interaction is taking place on the phone. And the way that we interact now is not that we're hanging out and sharing a meal, but it's, I'm liking the status, I'm commenting on the photo, I'm resharing the witty thing that that person says. We're going back and forth in our WhatsApp group. And so I might not consider some of the people that I interact with to be friends, they might be acquaintances. They might be people that I've met, but I don't hang out with. They might be friends of friends who are in the same chat groups as I am. 
And yet, even though I might tell myself I don't consider that person a friend, but I'm exchanging 20 messages a day with that person. I'm reading 50 status updates from that person. And what if that person is saying things, maybe it is a good Muslim brother or sister, and maybe they are in our extended social circle. What if that person is posting things like, I really hate my parents. My parents are so annoying. My parents are this, my parents are that. My kids are so frustrating. I hate my siblings. Now, someone might just be venting online, but I have to look at it from what is the company that I am keeping and what is the messaging that I am consuming. And so when I'm consuming this type of messaging over and over and over again, as the Prophet indicated, that environment, that company that I keep, is going to impact me. It might not be consciously, I might not recognize it, it might be subconsciously, but that makes it even more important for me to be on guard, for me to be vigilant about who it is that I'm interacting with all the time. Whose photos am I seeing on a constant basis? Whose status updates am I reading? Whose videos am I watching? All of this is company that we keep. So the feed that we have, the feed that we sometimes curate, it has a profound spiritual impact. Are we taking in things that uplift or are in taking things that take us away? Now when we talk about good company and bad company, it's not just this idea that I have to protect myself from the evil that's out there. But one thing that we find in our religion is that there is an emphasis actually on the blessing of good friendship. There is an emphasis on the blessing of good friendship. The Prophet ﷺ told us that on the Day of Judgment when the sun is brought near and people are drowning in their sweat from the heat, that there are seven groups of people who have been blessed with the shade of the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of those groups, he said, is two people who love each other for the sake of Allah. Two people who have a friendship, a closeness, a companionship that is rooted in and founded upon their mutual desire, their mutual love of Allah and their desire to come closer to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is a beautiful friendship. That is a blessing. That is a source of reward on the Day of Judgment. When we look at the life of the Prophet wasallam, one of the blessings that he was given was the blessing of good companionship. And now the moment I say the Prophet was blessed with good friends, most people, I would venture to assume, are going to their mind immediately think Abu Bakr. But I want you to rewind just a moment and think Khadija radiallahu anha. Because sometimes we overlook that aspect of keeping good company as well, is that your spouse is often your closest friend. Your spouse is the company that you keep. And so that blessing, that, uh, this blessing from Allah of good companionship, sometimes it starts at home. And so we see how Khadija, not only was she his wife, but she was a source of support for him when, time, when times were difficult. When he first received the revelation, who did he go to for comfort? He didn't go to one of his friends, he went to Khadija, right? That companionship, that closeness, that idea of your spouse being your best friend. We see that in the life of the Prophet. But again, we also know, obviously, he was also surrounded with. Good friends, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu. 
And these were people that he could count on, people that he depended on. When the tense situation, right, of the migration, of leaving Mecca and going to Medina, when his, there is a threat on the life of the Prophet who does he count on? Who does he trust? His closest friend. His closest friend that is there for them and has taken the, the preparation, gotten the animals, gotten the food, gotten a guide to help take them from a different path, made all of the arrangements, right? That is a friend that the Prophet could count on. That was a source, again, a blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. That highlight of good companionship. Now, someone might look and say, like, okay, this is all good, but it also sounds a little bit selfish, right? It's, what am I getting from everybody else? What am I getting from everybody else? And that's why we have to also look at the other side of it, which is being good company for others as well. It's a two-way street. When you say two people who love each other for the sake of Allah, it's a back and forth. And so one thing that we find, again, particularly in our time, and not just because of the change in technology and social media and things like that, but with societal changes that we see. We now live in a society where we have people who are single parents that say, I don't have anyone to go to for emotional support except my children. We have men who say, and it's mostly men, <clears throat> or the majority men that say, I don't think that I even have any friends. I'm lonely. Researchers have said that we have an epidemic of loneliness. That I go to work and I, <clears throat> I talk to people at work and I hang out with people at work, but when I go home, the loneliness hits me. We live in a society where we have an elderly population that says, the television is my company. Because every night I just put that on. It's too hard to leave the house. People don't want to come visit. And so sometimes I go days without seeing the face of another human. It puts a different spin on the idea of smiling in the face of your brother being Salah. Right? There's loneliness in our society. And so it's not just that we have to make sure that we're protecting the influences that we have, but then it's also turning around and saying, how am I being a good friend to others? What am I doing to involve others? What am I doing to be supportive and be there and to uplift other people that are around me? How am I being a good friend to the people that are in my life? These are difficult questions. Again, the concept is very simple. The concept is very simple. Keep good company and be good company. But how you do that can become very hard. And sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes as we naturally progress through life. We go through the seasons of life and it becomes harder to maintain friendship. We get caught up with work. We get caught up with the kids. We get caught up with our responsibility. And so we're not able to just hang out with people the way that we did before. But we still have to make an effort. We still have to make an effort because ultimately the bonds of brotherhood, the, the, the bonds of brotherhood, the bonds of community, are built when people are making an effort and making a sacrifice and putting a value in saying having these bonds, having these friendships is something that is important. It is something of value. And so I have to find ways of sacrificing things 
to make sure that that happens. And so, just as we do that, we be on guard about the influences that we allow in, but simultaneously we work to also be a good influence to others. <clears throat> There's a very interesting hadith about friendship. And most people haven't heard it because it's not talked about as a hadith of friendship. There's a companion by the name of Jabir bin Samura radiallahu anhu. And there's a hadith where someone asked Jabir, did you used to sit with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Now listen to the answer. He says, yes. He says, after we would pray Fajr, we would sit until the sun would come up. And then the Prophet and his companions, they would sit and they would talk and they would reminisce on the old days and they would recite poetry to one another and they would laugh and tell jokes. Isn't this amazing? Someone asked him, did you sit with the Prophet Wasallam?" And he's not answering in regards to, yes, I remember when this expedition happened. Or when this, you know, lecture happened at the masjid or this program. No, what is he remembering? Yes, we used to sit with the Prophet Wasallam, And what I remember about sitting with him, we used to hang out. We used to hang out. They would sit. They would chit-chat. They would talk about the old days. They would tell jokes. Good friendship and good friendship versus bad friendship isn't just that I log on to WhatsApp, I send you an eye of the Quran, you send me a hadith back. No, that's not what we're talking about. They would just hang out. They would have fun. They would relax. There's a very famous hadith in Nawi's 40 hadith of Ibn Abbas. And it begins, Oh, young man, may I teach you some words of advice? Be mindful of Allah, and Allah will be mindful of you, so on and so on until the end of the hadith. What's very interesting about this narration, Ibn Abbas, as he's narrating it, he says, One day I was riding on the mount, on the horse with the Prophet, when he turned around and said, Oh, young man, can I teach you some words of advice? Meaning what? They were hanging out. This wasn't that Ibn Abbas came to him with a problem, Ya Rasulullah, I need advice. This wasn't some, you know, there's a class at the masjid going on, Ya Rasulullah, I have a question. We were just riding on the horse together, and he turned around and said, Oh, young man, can I give you some words of advice? We talk about mentorship of the youth and things of that nature. The Prophet was quite literally spending time hanging with the youth of the That was his example. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an. He tells us a story. He said that one time he was sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and there was another man with them, and they were talking. And another man came, you know, was walking across, kind of on the other side of the street. And the man that was with them said, "Ya Rasulullah, I love that man for the sake of Allah." 
I love that man for the sake of Allah. And the Prophet said, he said, have you told him? Have you told him? He said, no. He said, so go and tell him. Go and tell him that you love him for the sake of Allah. Now think, and I know this is going to make people uncomfortable, but how many times have we just reached out and told our friends, I love you for the sake of Allah? How many times do we send a message to our friends saying, thank you for being a good friend? Thank you for, someone, thank you for being someone that's always there for me. I appreciate and value your friendship. How many times do we reach out and say that? And yet we find that this is exactly the advice that the Prophet who are they with them is giving us. And not only is it advice that he gives, but it's advice that he showed in practice. He went to Mu'adh one time, and he said, Ya Mu'adh, by Allah, I love you. Let me teach you something. At the end of every prayer, say, Allahumma anya la dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadat. Oh Allah, allow me to worship you in the best of ways and be thankful to you and grateful to you. He could have just taught him the du'a, he could have just taught him the advice, but no, he's actually enacting the very instruction that he gave by beginning the advice by saying, Ya Mu'adh, by Allah, I love you. Giving Mu'adh that affirmation. Showing us in his example, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how to truly value a friendship. How to communicate the value of that friendship to someone else. This is his Example, sallallahu alayhi May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow all of us to keep good company, but then also to be good company to others. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.